When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with J.P. McNamara on C103. Cork's greatest hits, C103. And a very good morning to you. Our lines are open 1850-333-103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Coming up on the show this morning, we'll have the latest in Bantry when it comes to Bantry Hospital, where it seems the situation remains the same regarding admissions. We had political reaction yesterday. Today, we hear from a GP based in Bantry. And the tragedy that occurred in Monkstown yesterday afternoon, our thoughts are with the two people that lost their lives and their families that is Father Con Cronin a much loved priest in the Harbour Parishes and also a native of the Kelkel area near Bantry and Mark Wills a respected bus driver with Bus Aaron uh, from Banning living now in the Carrigaline area uh, later in the programme we will chat with Ralph Regal of the Irish Independent and local councillor in that area Marcia Dalton as the area still remains in shock on what happened yesterday afternoon in the beautiful area there of Monkstown and Cork Bars who are now open and providing indoor facilities they're coming under fire and under abuse with their staffer at the door for asking for the digital COVID certs also they're getting online abuse and now the industry is looking at easing the restrictions and the current closing time of 11.30 they're looking for that to be pushed out we'll speak this morning with the bar industry on that we're also going to hear how priests are coming under pressure to go ahead ahead with Holy Communions and confirmations mainly because bishops in other parts of the country are going ahead with those sacraments. Some priests say these ceremonies that they're putting lives at risk and we'll chat with one of those priests on the show this morning and we're going to hear a report that shows how young people in the Duhallow and Lee Valley areas, once they are educated once they are done with secondary school, they leave the area and they head for these cities such as Cork and Dublin and Limerick but what can areas like Duhallow and like the Lee Valley and all areas here in Cork County, rural areas, what can they do to keep their young people? Or if they go away to college, how do you get them back? Why will they return? Why will they want to return? Uh, is it jobs? Is it broadband? Is it the way of life? Uh, well, the report was published by IRD Duhallow and we'll chat with their CEO this morning on the show, Maura Walsh. And so many people, as I mentioned there about Holy Communions and Confirmations, uh, had their weddings uh, postponed 
and cancelled last year. The, a lot of people went ahead this year with the weddings. They might have pushed the dates out again a few weeks to see if they could have more people attend. Many did not and just went for it. Well, one man who has done that and changed his wedding date quite a bit over the last year or so is Malaman, who became well known from the TV show Operation Transformation, Wayne O'Donnell. And we'll chat with Wayne later in the programme. He's getting married tomorrow and he's taking time out to join us on uh, basically what he has gone through over the last year trying to rearrange a wedding. Uh, a stressful event to organise in the first place and rearranging it a few times, I'd imagine also stressful. And along with that later, after 12.30, Peter Dowdall is joining us the Irish gardener any other questions you have for Peter he'll be offering advice on all things gardening and if you have a question get those into us now uh, to Bernie 1850 text or whatsapp 0862103103 but it does seem uh, the situation at Bantry Hospital that uh, remains the same today a lot of concern in the area on what is to happen across the month uh, still no admissions on a statement we received yesterday and I did say if you dig into the statements we are receiving uh, from the HSC and the South by South Southwest Hospital Group, they really mean that this could continue until September. Now, we had a political reaction yesterday. Let's chat now to those GPs who were under immense pressure across the weekend. One of those is Paul O'Sullivan, a GP at the Marino Medical Centre. He joins me. Good morning to you, Paul. Hello, John Paul. Thank you very much for having me on. And thanks for joining us. I mean, first of all, talk through the impact this has had on GPs in the area and those attending and running the South Dock service right across the weekend and even across yesterday afternoon. Yes, yeah, it's been an extremely difficult weekend. Um, normally, bank holiday weekends are busy anyway, but this has gone up to an, uh, uh, a new level Um because patients are no longer being seen or being turned away um, from Bantry Hospital um, or being advised to go to South Dock. Um, I have had to see several patients who were literally knocking on my window trying to get in uh, to see me um, uh, while I was in my office here um, uh, doing my South Dock duties. Um, Essentially, Bantry South Dock GPs feel that we have been left on our own. We... Essentially, we, we we can't carry out the, the duties and uh, of a hospital, um, and we, we are being left out in a limb um, and cast adrift. Uh, the normally we, we would have a good relationship with Bantry Hospital, and we'd be able to get people admitted that we'd be concerned about. But unfortunately, now patients that we're concerned about, we have to send to CUH, um, and that's just to the emergency department. So. They just get, it takes one and a half hours to get to the doors um, that's on a, on, on a clear road and then they have to wait God knows how many hours to be actually seen and assessed in COH. Um, whereas before, if you sent them to Bantry, you, you'd be fairly um, confident that they'd be seen within the hour and assessed and dealt with. Um, so current, the, the, the other thing that that has um, is that that reduces the amount of um, ambulances that are available in the area because now patients have to be taken by ambulance to COH, whereas before they'd be taken a short trip from Bantry to, to from West Cork to Bantry. Um, now those ambulances are taking an hour and a half to get to COH, an hour and a half back, however long it takes for them to be handed over. So you're talking about at least four, four and a half, five hours. So that ambulance is no longer available. Now, that is having a knock-on effect on, on emergency and acute admissions here, uh, calls here, because uh, we 
we cannot access them anymore. We we had a, a patient who had uh, we thought was acute appendicitis. She was sitting on a bed in our surgery for three hours while we were waiting for an urgent ambulance to come and get her to bring her another hour and a half to COH. That's unacceptable. Before we would be maybe 20 minutes, half an hour for an ambulance. We, we are literally next door to the hospital and next door to the ambulance uh, station. So it has never been an issue before. And we asked the ambulance crew what had happened. And they said it's because they have to take, they've been taking people all day up and down to CUH from the West Cork area. So you're taking the ambulance out of the area, which is obviously exactly. then having a knock-on effect like that. Exactly. Uh, per yeah. person you mentioned there who could be waiting another six or seven hours when they get to see you. H, no disregard to the staff in any of the oh, hospitals yeah. we're mentioning. They They're the front line just doing their job. It's the management yeah. here that need to look at themselves because it's annual leave. This is down to, we keep hearing in statements, it's down to annual leave. But planning, I'm it, sure, would have prevented this. Um, historically, Bantry would have had five consultants now one consultant post was never filled, so it was always four. One consultant retired a number of years ago. That post was never filled. Another, a consultant has recently retired. Um, a consultant has gone off sick. So that leaves one consultant left to cover everything. Now, that's patently unsafe because you're dealing with a 100, 100 bed plus hospital, which has got a, a, an active HDU and a medical admissions unit. You can't have one consultant covering that. It's unsafe. However, these people, the, the, these retirements, you could you could plot them on a calendar and you could plan for them. You know, it's not rocket science. Um, and this comes down to poor HSE management. Um, so, I mean, when I retire, I hope that I will have my replacement ready to go when 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 I when I hand over the keys. Obviously, this is, seems to be beyond the HSE. Well, you know. one of the things when we were discussing this yesterday with uh, the political side of, of the spectrum, this was with uh, Michael Collins, the independent today for Cork South West and Fianna Fáil's Christopher O'Sullivan. Uh, Christopher was led to believe that there will be replacement consultants in place or coming to Bantry anyhow, and this will be from September, from which the statement always uh, has said to us over the last number of weeks. But Michael mm-hmm. Collins made an interesting point yesterday where he was told on authority uh, by those within the HSC that they were looking at having no admissions in Bantry and that uh, such of the incidents you've had at the weekend that they would be sent to CUH? When you say that, does that mean permanently? Permanently, that yeah. That, that, that Their plan is there's a bigger picture and that that's what the HSC would have wished for according to Michael Collins who spoke with us yesterday. And you would wonder was, was this a, a kind of a, a plan or something put in place to see how things would work? Well, as they say, I, I can't speak for the HSE, but if that's their plan, well, then basically people had better be prepared for for people either dying on the side of the road or else, you know, not having an ambulance reach them in time. Bantry Hospital is an hour and a half from, from a CUH. It's like asking somebody in Dublin to be seen up in Dundalk. You can't get an ambulance um, say for somebody who has had a stroke, you have to get them seen within an hour and a half so you can reverse the stroke. Mm. If you have a stroke somewhere in West Cork and that plan comes to fruition, unfortunately, that that's it. You, you're not going to recover from the stroke. It, people will come to harm. People are likely going to die if that happens. You, you, you're just casting the co- people of West Cork adrift. 
And you mentioned there geographically, we, we keep mentioning that, that you can't have a situation like other counties have had where they can close hospitals, but they could only be 15 minutes from a, a major unit, something like CUH, whereas, you know, you've, you've said there it's about an hour and a half to two and a half hours. Some people told us yesterday yes, yes, to get yes. up to CUH. Do you feel let down by the HSE? Because this is something we've seen before with the Bantry Hospital and various issues every three or four years. Have you seen things ever get like this situation? And, and do you feel the HSC, the South by Southwest Hospital Group and the Minister for Health from a GP like many others in Bantry have a lot to answer for? We GPs have always been ignored. Our concerns, and we have to advocate for our patients. And we have the feeling that they ignore our concerns. They don't take account of what we're telling them. And we have the local experience um, that they would lack. People in the HSE who make these decisions are in Cork and Dublin. It's not going to hit them in the middle of the night when there's no ambulance available for them or there's nowhere for them to go um, because they have, like CUH or the big hospitals in, in Dublin, they don't live with the consequences of their decisions. They make decisions for other people to live by. So if you know, it's not going to hit them, but it's going to hit my patients. And and you yourself, you're speaking about your patients there. I've seen a lot of reaction from on Twitter across the weekend from other GPs and yourself in the area who say they had one of the toughest weekends ever while practicing medicine and working within their own practice. And also uh, the fact that they worked longer hours than usual. Many of them were shattered. I mean, how much more can you take if, if this is the way it's going to go on from what we hear until September? How much more of of this can local GPs take? We're not sure. We, we, we're currently meeting, we're looking to meet to, to discuss the situation, all the local GPs. If, if this operational tempo continues, something's going to happen. People are going to come to, to harm. We can't offer, we can't take the burden of Bantry Hospital on our backs. Um, the, the, we, 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 we feel we had a near miss with that lady yesterday who had acute appendicitis. What happens if somebody has a stroke and they're waiting three hours? Um, that stroke is then permanent. It can't be reversed. People are going to come to harm, and it seems as nobody cares. Um, and really, we were kind of feeling that nobody listens to us. Nobody gives a damn. Okay, well, uh, the people in the area and right across Cork too, because there's outrage again this morning on our phone lines and our tech service on this. Um, Paul, we'll stay in touch and see what does happen over the next few days. Again, we've nothing new uh, saying that anything is going to change in the interim or in the next few days, but we will stay in touch with you and look after yourself there and uh, hopefully there'll be some solution shortly. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. That is uh, Dr. Paula Sullivan, who is based at the Marino Medical Centre in Bantry. The reality that GPs are facing in this situation. I know we had political reaction yesterday, but this is what is happening on the ground. They're shattered. They're tired. They're working nonstop. Uh, He had a really busy afternoon yesterday afternoon. He was telling me when I was chatting with him yesterday afternoon. uh, And this is the reality that could happen and go on. But, you know, GPs can only do so much. And if we're going to have them uh, working longer hours, is there a case of burnout? And then what 
does happen. Tom and Bantry says the hospital is badly needed in the area. It needs to be upgraded rather than neglected, Tom feels. The population then is increasing in West Cork. It has a state-of-the-art helipad and the standard of care by the staff is outstanding. While Julie says it's ironic that the government are asking people to look and relocate to rural areas. Many houses in certain areas like the Mizzen and in Cork McSherry and in Bantry and Clonakilty, prices have increased as people from other areas want to move to these scenic areas and relocate as they can work from home. But what happens if they get sick? They have nowhere to go and they have to travel long journeys to CUH. So they say one thing while they do another, uh, says Julie, uh, to 1850 or uh, you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. You can tweet us as well this morning at C103 Cork. And something that is making the Irish Independent paper this morning, and this is, you could say it's uh, this summer's golf gate in a way, uh, maybe not as big, but still, it's Catherine Sapone who hosted around 50 friends and former colleagues at a private outdoor function in the Marina Hotel in Dublin. And it was attended by Antonista Leah Varadkar. Uh, now, the event was six days before Miss Sapone's a controversial appointment a special envoy on freedom of opinion and expression and the Irish Hotels Federation on the guidelines for this for hotels and guest houses they state that organised events indoor and outdoor are not permitted unless they are weddings or non-social meetings trainings and educational programmes considered essential in the operation of a business the guidelines for pubs and restaurants says a maximum of 200 attendees can attend the majority of venues. The government hospitality rules do not permit customers to book multiple tables in a restaurant, pub or hotel, but this event did go ahead. Well, earlier, the Fine Gael TD for Cork North Central, Colin Burke, he spoke with our newsroom. He doesn't think the event breached COVID guidelines. I'm not sure where you're saying there's breach of guidelines. It was an outdoor event, as I understand it. I haven't examined the report and the papers um, that extensively, but my understanding was that it was an outdoor event. My understanding is that um, Leo Radker checked uh, with both hotel. And on the other side of that, then we have Sinn Féin's Matt McCarthy, who says whatever went on, the optics on this, they don't look good. I think what has emerged overnight is a whole different ball game. To be quite, uh, um, to be quite upfront about it, because I have looked um, through the article in the Independent, I do not see how the circumstances or the rationale or the excuses provided change in much ways from what happened in the Clifton Hotel 12 months ago. So is this our Clifton, our golf gate of 2021? Or are people just overreacting with all of this? Catherine Sabone's party, 50 guests outdoor in the Marion Hotel in Dublin. What's your view? 0862103103 by text or WhatsApp. We're with you until 1. Bernie taking your comments at 1850-333-103 or you can text or WhatsApp at 0862103103. On the way, we're going to hear how the Cork bar industry are looking to ease the restrictions and also the abuse they are getting at the door. Uh, plus next we're going to hear from a priest here based in Cork who says priests are coming under pressure to go ahead with Holy Communions and confirmations. This is due to bishops elsewhere in the country who are going against government advice and organising these sacraments. Uh, but some priests say that these ceremonies, they are going to put lives at risk. We'll chat uh, with one of those priests who's against this move next. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 
Some priests are now under pressure to go ahead with the plant with communions and confirmations as other dioceses of the country are given to go ahead for these. Well, Father Tim Hazelwood is based in Killa and he joins me. Good morning to you, Father Tim. Good morning, John Paul. And we're aware of these bishops in other dioceses who are given the go ahead for these sacraments. Do you feel this is too soon? And also, is it certain members of the church trying to be above the current laws? I have my own personal views on it, and um, and I think we've been very lucky in that our health professionals and scientists, I think, here in Ireland have done very well. Still, 3,000 people have died from COVID, but I think they got it right most of the time, a lot of the time. So it comes down to, uh, as far as I see it, it comes down to the fact, do we trust them? Or do we just do our own thing? That everybody does their own thing. A lot of people are about personal responsibility. But they are guiding us uh, to the best outcomes, what's safest for people. And they have said, they have said that first communions and confirmations uh, should not go ahead at present. They're not saying that they won't go ahead. They're saying for the moment, put them off for another bit. And the reason being is not what's happening in the church because we have very strict guidelines and sanitizing and all this and we have divisions and, um, and there's a certain number. But what happens afterwards, there's no control over. So personally, I feel we should listen to them. I don't know why the bishops, uh, some of the bishops are doing this because we are, uh, we are associated now with those who are denying the vaccine and who's, you know, who, are, who refuse to take vaccines. And, like, why should anybody keep a rule? The church is going ahead doing its own thing. I, I think it's a mistake. And when we mention Holy Communions and Confirmations, I mean, mainly the usual times they are made are between March and May and Communions mm. mainly in May. If the other dioceses of the country and bishops are looking at what we think is going ahead in August with these Holy Communions mm. and Confirmations, is it not the wrong time? I mean, families will be away in holidays or on downtime. You know, a lot of the, the Cork dioceses here have moved and said late September is the plan on, unless things change again regarding COVID. But right. I mean, is this the wrong time for for families to say, let's hold these sacraments in August? Well, interestingly, uh, before we ended the last school year, we put up forward some dates to the parents. And the feeling, now, First Communion we had planned for September because they'd be back in school and they would all be back because the second class would be in third class, they'd still be here, even though they'd be starting on a new cycle and all that. But for confirmation, the parents wanted it before they went back into secondary school. And they wanted it the week before the secondary school started. So they have been told that going back a long time. So it's near the end of August we had planned for our confirmations that had been cancelled. Um, but I think we can, we can find another plan. But some parents had wanted it that time. Mm. And then in that situation, you still have today priests coming out who are saying that the stage can advise us what to do, but they can't control us in prayer or how the church performs its ministry. I mean, what do you say to those priests who are hell-bent on going ahead uh, with these sacraments uh, in the next few weeks? Well, um, I, think th- I think the hub of the issue is summed up in that question. I think some people resent the fact that within the church that the state is telling us what to do. They're advising us. The way I look at it is that who are the experts here? Like we as priests, we're not experts on, on, on disease um, and 
all, and vaccines and, and health issues. We're not. You know, we have our own expertise in another area. So you listen to the people who know best. Um, and I think they're at the government and are advising for the, be- for the good of people. Like we say we're pro-life. I think it's a pro-life issue. Keep people safe. Like the majority of people who are going to be at the communions are young children, their brothers and sisters, or teenagers. They're not vaccinated. You know, and you can get very sick. Young people have got very sick who've got the vaccine, plus the fact that they could be spreading it. And I mean, you touched on it there when you said that the main reason is what happens after the communion. Mm. And these are the gatherings for both confirmations and communions. Mm. But uh, earlier in the year, in May and April, when they were cancelled for the first time, many parents said, look, I've had a deposit on a bouncing castle or on mm. something else. So I'm going ahead with the after. So mm. did, did it not make any difference? Or was it a case that if something happened afterwards, at least the church can't be brought into the argument that it went ahead with the sacraments? But again, this is like, do we take our responsibility seriously to keep people safe? We can't control what other people do, you know, what people do in there. It brings up huge issues, actually, because, like, anecdotally, I've heard that people have gone ahead with the parties. You know, they dressed up, put on the dress, had the party, had the whole lot. So then you'd wonder, how important was the church part? Well, that's the other thing. I mean, yeah. a lot of people would agree with you there yeah. uh, for the both the confirmation and communion that many of these people that go along, and you could say the same for weddings, they might not be in the church yeah. every other day of the year, but they're all out in the front seats for those sacraments. And, and, and like, I'm not saying people shouldn't come, and it sounds, you know, but, and, and, and it's a lovely occasion. I love the first communion confirmations because there are happy occasions in the church, and it's an occasion for where we can touch people's lives. Um, but we have to question, especially it's, it's we, the church, it's, it's we are facilitating this. And I know there's a lot of frustration among priests that, you know, what are we doing it for? You know, is it, uh, is it deepening the faith in any way or is it just another social um, outing, you know? And, and they're lovely days, like, and don't get me wrong, I, I think they're happy days in the church and we don't have too many. We can be seen as people with long faces a lot and community confirmation are so happy and joyful that we need them. But we also need a bit of faith input from those who are receiving, you know, that it's not just about the party and the dress and the bouncy castle and the money. Yeah, there's a lot more to it than just yeah. the after party. And as you mentioned there, the money, which is playing a big role in, in the situation of uh, communions these days. So what's happening in Killa? What, what are the dices of, I, for you are in well, What's the current plan for you guys? The current plan, well, I'd be hoping, and like another thing is that I, I, we have a pastoral council and I hope we discuss it. We've heard, like the bishops seems to have made, seem to have made this, this decision. There was no input from priests. We got no say on it. And one of the dangers and the difficulties is going to be, like, I, I think I have a duty to comply with the guidelines. I'm not perfect. I don't do the right thing all the time. But people's lives are at stake here. Uh, but what if the parish next door goes ahead? You know, if it's left that priests decide themselves, then it's going to create friction between parishes and priests, you know, and, and parents and priests trying to force us to have them, you know. So which is a... But what the diocese has done now is just sent out an email. We received an email yesterday asking uh, what parishes had plans for the month of August and what the aim of that is. Uh, I, I don't know, but that's they're doing a bit of a survey. Had 
police plan to do it in August, and we don't know what's the intention, but it's, at least it's asking us. And have you heard of any parish or any area we haven't here as yet in the Cork area? And I know we have three dioceses here in Cork, Kerry, Cork and Ross and Clyne, but uh, at the moment there doesn't seem to be any going ahead. Not that I know of, no. There's been, there has been no direction or directive from those bishops uh, concerning it. This is the first we heard of it yesterday with this email. So I get the impression the bishops have met her and have, must have had a Zoom meeting or something and made a de- uh, decision. And there, it seems to be bit by bit, Bishop Killaluno yesterday came out. Um, and like they make a comparison with Croke Park. Croke Park is an open-air venue. And I don't think too many children will get tickets for the All-Ireland Hurling final. You know, mm. this is... Uh, And if it's a bad day, they're all going to be inside. And you're asking people not to compare with big sporting venues to a a small church and what goes on afterwards in a house or or a small back garden, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Before I let you go, Father Tim, very sad news. And we'll speak about this later after 11 o'clock in the programme, but very, very sad news for a Monkstown yesterday. And uh, Father uh, Con Cronin, you mean a man, you knew him. He was a a well-spoken man in many aspects of life and took part in TV and radio shows. Yeah, he was a lovely man. I got to know him because I'm involved in the Association of Catholic Priests and for a number of years we had local meetings down in ovens and Con used to come to them all and um, he was a lovely, i say vivacious, you, you could see he was a man that that enjoyed life and I don't mean that in this, it's like that he loved life and uh, he had a great experience from being on the missions for so long so his his ideas were very broad you know, I suppose we can be very narrow because we see what we have here and we do the same as we ever did, whereas Khan had seen things done differently. And um, he'd, he'd ring me sometimes just at some issue would come up in the church and uh, have a great... And always positive. You know, he was a positive. He loved, he loved passage. He, he was delighted that he was stationed there. He came back, you know, to, to kind of semi-return Cork and he had a lovely parish priest there, Sean O'Sullivan, Degelan Great. Yeah, and it's just, the poor bus so driver, sad. you know, it, it's so sad because here in Killa, 30 years ago, a bus, a man in a similar situation, the, the bus crashed here at the bridge and he drowned in the river, you know. So um, it brought back memories for a lot of people here. Yeah, just a, a tragic day yeah, in Monkstown yesterday so and our, our sympathies uh, to both uh, Father Con's family and indeed Mark Will's family, the bus driver. It's just so, so sad and we will be uh, discussing um, and, and speaking with those in the area who were shocked after 11 o'clock. But for the moment, uh, Father Tim, uh, thanks for joining us thanks this sure, morning Paul. and I'm sure we'll chat to you again soon and look after yourself. That is Father Tim Hazelwood there who is a priest based in Killa in the Diocese of Cline. Your views are welcome. 1850 333 103. Text or WhatsApp 1103 on the sacraments William and Glamire says communions well Michal Martin is not allowing church ceremonies because of the celebrations afterwards but after any GAA match there are celebrations and get togethers so what is the difference the children have been together in the classrooms all through the years says William in Glamire 
while Tom is in Rathcormac he says there are big crowds going to matches so there is no reason not to hold these communions and Nancy in Bantry is saying similar that the communion should go ahead the church can't be responsible for what goes on after each ceremony while John and Cove says children should get their communion and confirmation Minister Donnelly is telling us all what to do but then is he a medical expert and you have the situation of over 40,000 allowed in then to Crow Park well Father Tim did allude to there not to uh, compare Crow Park or big sporting occasions to what goes on within a church or within a small family home or a small back garden you can't compare both outdoors but people you, you can see why people are making the comparison that can be very frustrating anyhow thank you for your calls and texts on that on the way we're going to hear how Cork Bar owners who only have indoor facilities are receiving abuse or their staff anyhow are receiving abuse at the door from the public regarding the digital COVID certs but also uh, why the industry is looking at easing the current restrictions You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed Cork Today on C103 Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 086 103 and on Bantry Hospital Heidi is saying JP it's great to hear you still getting this issue out there this morning regarding Bantry and indeed not just Bantry but all local hospitals yes I agree with the doctor you spoke to yes lives will be lost they will have to listen to us the people and indeed the doctors in the area if we keep shouting for this it will save lives as at the moment lives are at stake says Heidi to WhatsApp on 0862103103 and now to something different because Cork Bob's and indeed Cork Bars said they were closed as we all know for over a year and now staff are under pressure this is due to bad online reviews and also staff at the door is coming under abuse as they ask for the digital Covid certs well Michael O'Donovan of the Cork Vintners Association joins me good morning to you Michael good morning JP Michael bars like your own and others indoor was the only option and now it seems staff who I mean the only way you could open up was to agree to this and ask for digital certs at the, at the door to get your trading back and to make sure the bills could be paid and mortgages could be paid and all of that and now the, the staff working for the bars are taking the abuse Yeah unfortunately JP it's look there's cohorts out there that are doing this it's it's a very small minority but uh, it is happening and look um, I suppose online um, you know there's people are posting one star reviews and look you know they haven't been in the bar like we even got a one star review uh, the day before we even opened um, and you know Long term, when people go on holidays uh, in, say, two or three years' time, when we have tourists coming back into the country and they look up somewhere to go and they'll look at these one-star reviews, it will hurt your business into the future. And that's very unfortunate. Um, And in the present, you know, we're having people saying that we're enforcing apartheid, that we're discriminating against people. And look, we never wanted to be in this position, but it's, it's the only position that we can be in to open our premises and uh, and we're caught in a catch twenty two scenario, so people are being uh, some people are being very I suppose uh, abusive online. And look, we've had one or two at the door that have been that way to us. Um, and I know talking to colleagues, they've had uh, uh, the online stuff across uh, city and county, and it's just very unfortunate at the moment. And can those who were abusing the staff at the door, can they not realise, as you mentioned, that this was not your choice? You had to do this to open your bars and, and create a livelihood. I mean, why attack the front line? If they feel so passionate about it, why aren't they going to Leinster House or, or, or going to the local TD? Yeah, look, on Sunday nights I said that to a, a, a man, but 
I don't think it resonated. It's it look. I think he thinks we set the rules, we set the guidelines. It's it's where look we're in the unfortunate position that we have to enforce it. But um, I I I just don't know is the honest answer why they don't do it. It's uh, but it, it's look we're operating it. We're on the ground. We are the ones that have to put up with it. Um, and it's just along with all the other regulations that we have at the moment it's just an extra challenge and look it's it's a difficult one when you're dealing with uh, with people in the person uh, to be to be you know putting up with this and you know it's it, it's hurtful really yeah and Jake who is a, a young bar person he describes himself as uh, not I, I don't know if he's a city or county but he knows of other staff uh, colleagues in different bars who have got the abuse but Jake's bar owner uh, did not reopen because he feared this would happen at the time Jake said I, I know I felt frustrated that my other friends were going back to work and I could not but now I'm actually glad because what do you tell people at the door they want the bars to open and then when they do open they don't want them to open so you really can't win uh, and that is something that a lot of young bar staff are facing at the moment which is unfortunate on them uh, yeah but it's it, it's it's a very very small minority that are yeah. doing this you know like we're open now just over a week and i have to say um 99.9 of the customers that have come through the door have been so supportive they've had their vaccine certificates out they've had their driver license or passport or something out you know we We've only had to remind the few at the door that come to the door, can we see your cert? The majority come ready, they're, they know what the procedure is, mm. and it, it's so good. And, you know, they're so delightful to get back indoors and get socialising again. This is a very, very small minority that are doing this, but the small minority um, upset everything, really, for everybody. And then the other side of this is as things move on, the restrictions in place, such as the closing and ending everything at 11.30, now that's been looked at. Uh, the Restaurants Restaurant Association have come out. I know other bar owners are questioning this. Uh, will we see an ease in restrictions? Is that something that the vintners are calling for? And also bar counter service, could that return by way of sitting at the bar? Yeah, look, the, the bar counter one would be a bigger one for us, to be honest, JP, because every bar up and down the country, you know, the bar counter is the heartbeat of the bar uh, and it doesn't matter if you're a rural bar or a city bar or any bar, the the, the bar counter is, you know, it's sacrosanct to the bar. So that would be our top priority one, to be quite honest, at the moment. Um, look, we, we have a meeting today at half two with government officials. It's, it's mainly a review of what's happened in the last week and, I suppose, a look at what can be done in the coming weeks. Will anything happen in the next two, three weeks? I, I, I don't think so. I think it will be more the end of August that we will see if anything changes. So for the next couple of weeks, we're, we're, we're operating as is. And then I think when we get the end of August, September, hopefully we'll see for us the bar counter. I know restaurants are looking more for the, um, for the closing time. Um, like for us, it's 11 out for half 11 um, at the moment. Everybody has to be off the premises by 11.30. Like in normal times, Monday to Thursday, it, it's it's only going to add 30 minutes to us. Yes, Saturday, Friday and Saturday night would be a big change. Um, and look, I suppose if we get there, it will be welcome. But I think the bar counter for us as publicans is more of a priority. Well, we'll wait and see what happens following that meeting for the moment. Michael, thanks for joining us this morning. That is Michael O'Donovan there of the Cork Vintners Association. Shortly, we're going to be joined by Ralph Regal of the Irish Independent and local councillor in the Lower Harbour area, Marcia Dalton, as the area remains in shock following that tragic incident that occurred yesterday afternoon in Monkstown. But first, a lot of your calls and comments 
comments in on various issues we've been discussing in the first hour of the show and on Bantry Hospital Anna WhatsApp says so disappointing no change today with Bantry Hospital and I was hoping after yesterday's show that this morning we would hear admissions were due to reopen but no Dr Paul gave a real insight of what will happen down the line if this remains in place for the month of August frightening for us living in Beira says that on WhatsApp while Liz says Cork is the rebel county so where is everyone in Cork in connection with Bantry Hospital Dermot in Skibbereen we need more now from our local politicians on this Dermot Fields he says I know they have spoken out but Dermot feels more action is needed. Now, statements and the health minister saying he's looking at the situation is not good enough. We need fighting talk, says Dermot and Skibbereen. While Imelda in Mallow says, shocked again at local hospitals being treated this way, they would not close a hospital in Dublin. Though giving excuses of a population base and all of that is just so unfair, says Amanda in Mallow when it comes to the issue ongoing there at Bantry Hospital. And regarding the COVID digital certificate Eileen Mallow wants to know if she takes a photo of her COVID search is it acceptable for indoor dining rather than carrying it on a piece of paper well on that the best thing to do if you could take a screenshot because then it's coming directly from your email uh, you could always take a photo as well um, or the best thing that, that people are doing really is if you have that COVID app that was launched last year you can scan the code or the QR code on the actual COVID search and that will directly then appear on the app so that's what the majority of people are doing in the best way if you have a smartphone ID in Mallow and if you're not unsure of what to do maybe ask someone to do that for you Uh, but you certainly could take a photo uh, of of the COVID cert I have seen people doing that and uh, they seem to have no issue going into a location once it's a clear photo and and once everything is clear on it sometimes you can have a a photo that maybe you can scan that QR code that's on the search and if they can't scan it then uh, if it's blurry or anything like that or half it missing then it won't work so you have to make sure you, that the, the photo is taken correctly uh, but the best uh, suggestion is to upload it to that uh, COVID app that they launched last year and that's what the majority of people are doing and it seems to work better that way and on that subject of the COVID search remember Dee and Goline was on to us yesterday she needed to get through to uh, the uh, helpline that deals with the digital certificates because she had to go uh, and visit a relative who's very ill and she was trying and trying and trying to get through to the number and getting nowhere hearing messages and going through to an engaged tone well uh, Dee has got back on to us this morning and finally she says after waiting for an hour and a half on the phone she got through. Now, within 15 minutes, uh, a very helpful man was she was speaking with and it was sorted. Now, the wait, though, she says, was tedious and it's a recorded message that keeps repeating itself and repeating itself, but Dee says it's worth it. She got everything she needed to get sorted. She spoke with a, a man on the phone who was really helpful and Dee, I'm delighted to hear that that got sorted for you because I know you needed to, to travel and visit your relatives, so I'm glad that it's sorted out for you there, Dee in Golina. Thanks for letting us know uh, to WhatsApp 0862103103 text also on that number or call Bernie with your comments 1850 we spoke about communions with uh, Father Tim uh, earlier uh, from Killa and uh, regarding how some bishops in other dioceses are really want to go ahead with communions at this stage and some priests are, are not happy about going ahead and then it's what happens after uh, the communion in the church or indeed confirmation by way of celebration at home while Mary in McCroom says before Covid ever came 
or, or ever was a, a deal, uh, there was too much emphasis on the parties and celebrations after communions rather than on the ceremony itself, says Mary in McCroom, while Ria in Skibbereen says, with everything going on, uh, during COVID and at this time, it's an ideal time to downsize these things which have become totally over the top and just money-making and spreading events, says Ria. The religious meaning is totally forgotten about, uh, says Ria in Skibbereen. Thank you for your text to 0862103103. Now, tributes are being paid to a local priest and a bus driver who were killed in Monkstown yesterday afternoon. Ralph Regal is Southern correspondent with the Irish independent and joins me. Good morning to you, Ralph. Good morning, John Paul. This is an awful tragedy that took place yesterday afternoon in a very popular area of Monkstown. Yeah, it really is a shocking event. No, I mean, essentially what happened was the, the bus air in 216 service uh, from Monkstown to Cork University Hospital. Uh, the bus was passing along Strand Road in Monkstown when for some inexplicable reason the coach veered across the road and struck a pedestrian and ploughed into several parked cars. Now, the primary theory at the moment is that the poor bus driver had suffered some type of a medical emergency or medical trauma, possibly a heart attack. Now, in the process of the accident, there was a pedestrian struck, uh, and now that, that pedestrian turned out to be um, Father Con Cronin, who's the curate in Passage West and Monkstown. Now, despite desperate efforts to help him, he was pronounced dead at the scene. And also, the bus driver, it was he was given emergency medical attention, but he was also pronounced dead at the scene. Now, miraculously, there were no other uh, injuries beyond those, no serious injuries. And there was a man walking, and he saw what was going to happen and, and managed to drag a 13-year-old girl out of the way of the bus. Now, she did suffer soft tissue injuries, and I think she was taken to Cork University Hospital for a precautionary assessment, but there, there are no serious injuries involved there. So there are currently two investigations into what happened, and Boss Aaron said that they're deeply shocked by the matter. So they're reviewing the circumstances of, of what happened. They're examining um, the, the, the vehicle. They're examining all aspects of, of, of the tragedy, and they've also stressed that they're going to be cooperating with all relevant authorities now, there was also a guard investigation and the road was closed yesterday afternoon to facilitate the work of Garda Forensic Accident Scene Investigators. And Garda have also appealed for anyone who may have seen the accident or anyone who would have passed along Strand Road and who would have dash cam footage to contact the Matoka Garda to assist their investigation. And Father Con Cronin, you mentioned there, a well-known local priest in the Lower Harbour areas, originally from Kilkill, and would be well-known for speaking on different items to do with the church over the years. Yeah, very much so. And, and the, the, the entire Passage West and Monkstown area is, is in deep shock because he was a hugely popular man and a very, very high-profile figure within the community. I mean, a lot of people who maybe not from that area or would not, wouldn't know Father Con. Uh, from Kalekill would be familiar with him because he, as you said, he was very outspoken on issues. He featured in a television documentary last year where he was talking about the difficulties faced by priests um, as, a, as a, a fallout and as a consequence of the, the church controversies over recent years. But he also uh, made headlines a couple of years ago when he was such a colourful and um, humorous man that I think at some church event involving school children, uh, the, the floss dance was all the rage at the time and he attempted to do the floss dance um, within the church and of course the video footage of that went viral and brought him to a much wider audience but within the community I think they were very much mourning the loss of, of a very beloved figure 
and a person who they saw as, as very much a cornerstone of everything that the community was working for down in the harbour area. And the bus driver then, as you mentioned, uh, much respected along uh, with his colleagues in Bus Aaron. He was based locally in Cork as well in Capwell. And a shock for all in Bus Aaron that this has happened, Ralph. Uh, investigations will continue, but our sympathies also to the bus driver's family. Yeah, very much so. I and mean, he's been named locally as Mark Wills, uh, who's in his early 50s. And he was living in Ballancolic <clears throat> in a statement that was issued last night. Bus Aaron said that all of their staff were deeply shocked at the tragedy and, and especially shocked because Mr. Wills was a very experienced driver. He was a very well-respected work colleague and very much liked by everyone within the company. So they were deeply shocked that he should lose his life and that there should also be another loss of life in terms of Father Khan. And um, Bus Aaron said that, that safety is their priority and that they're going to be conducting their own investigation and cooperating with all other relevant uh, authorities in terms of any other investigations that are ongoing. Well, our sympathies to all involved and thanks for joining us this morning. That is Ralph Regal, Southern Correspondent with the Irish Independent. Local councillor in that area is Marcia Dalton and she joins me. Good morning to you, Marcia. Good morning, Jean-Paul. Uh, Marcia, you knew Father Con well and it's just a great sense of shock in the community over what happened yesterday. Yeah, he was a larger than life figure in our community. We, we, we all loved him, universally loved him. Um, it's, I, w- I was down in the town centre yesterday when the emergency vehicles were passing. None of us knew what the issue was, obviously, but a huge number of emergency vehicles went past at an enormously high speed. And there was just this, I don't know, this quiet, this just stillness. And that stillness lasted all day as the news broke. Um, you know that stillness that comes with yeah, shock? And it's very hard to describe that uh, kind of stillness and silence, the feeling that falls over an area when something yeah. like this can happen. But I, I totally get what you're saying. Uh, yeah. And everybody in the area, if they were visiting or living there, could feel that yesterday, I'm sure. Absolutely. You could hear the silence. It was extraordinary. And broken last night, possibly only by the vigil that was organised at nine o'clock, where we all collected in the main uh, town park with candles. And there were singers, the church choir, and some of we've got some very good singers here. We're really lucky, and they they sang, and there were some lovely memories. It was Father Sean's idea. Sean, as a parish priest, would have been very close to Father Con, um, and Dahi Kelly, who would have worked um, hand in glove with Father Con and all his visitations. The pair of them organised it, and it was a beautiful start to what I suspect will be um, a consecutive, maybe three or four days of remembering Khan and remembering what he brought to us here. Extraordinary man. Truly the most unjudgmental, loving individual. And regardless of whether you were inside or outside the church, it didn't matter. You were a human being and that's where it was at with Father Khan. And the vigil you mentioned, I saw a video of that last night indeed. A beautiful vigil, beautiful singers there and such a lovely tribute to uh, Father Con and his parishioners were always at the core of those parishes there in the harbour. So our thoughts with everybody there this morning in Marcia and indeed to Father Con and his family in Kilkil and also condolences to Mark Wills and his family in Carrigaline and Balancolic. Just just an awful tragedy uh, that did occur yesterday in Monkstown and something that the community really rallied rallied around didn't they Marcia to to look after one another yesterday and indeed today they did and in fact my 13 year old daughter takes a child to spot it she said as she was passing she'd been out when the vigil was starting and she couldn't join and they were passing back and she said mommy I've never seen so many people in passage in Monkstown come together like that ever and and that was just the eyes of a child and and that's what he did and the two things I think Father Khan 
three maybe things you might want us to do is to stay together and support each other to remember Mark Wills he would have wanted Mark Wills remembered just as we knew Father Khan he was part of our community but Mark Wills was equally the centre of his family's life um, and he, Father Khan would want him remembered alongside him I think the third thing is to take a lesson from the way Father Khan lived which is fill your days with acts of kindness say good things not bad love everyone the, the legacy one leaves, just be yourself. It's just something phenomenal. Such a lesson for life there. Very true and be kind to everybody. Very true, Marcia. And Rita has just texted in who lives in the area. Uh, she says, I totally agree with Marcia. Yesterday I was in Monkstown yesterday evening. I go for a walk in my area and it takes me near the water in Monkstown and the area was just silent. It was beautiful in a way to see the respect that locals had but to be sitting there and watching the water and hearing the ripple of the water and nothing else. She said uh, was not frightening but just something different that she had not experienced before and she can totally get what Marcia is saying when you when you can hear the silence she says I, I totally agree with her on that says Rita uh, on text 0862103103 Marcia our thoughts with you all in the uh, area there of Passage West and Monkstown and again our sympathies to all the families involved Thank you so much and thanks for helping us celebrate Falcon uh, and Mark our and pleasure. what their lives meant Thank you. Our pleasure. Uh, that is local councillor uh, in that area of the Lower Harbour, Marcia Dalton. And again, our, our sympathies go out, going out to uh, Father Con Cronin and his family, uh, his parishioners in that area of Passage West and Monkstown, and indeed his family in Kelkill and the family of Mark Wills, the bus driver in Carrigline and in Ballincollig. Just an awful tragedy. C103 Jobs. And on today's job spot, we have opportunities which include a housekeeper is wanted for a part-time position, cleaning, cooking and childminding in the Kenturk area from September onwards. You can text your details to 085-804-3214. A welder and fabricator is wanted for the Ballydesmond area. Send your CV to jonesagri at gmail.com. An experienced fast food assistant, a kitchen porter and a delivery driver is wanted for Bandon. Email your CV to info at daniels.ie These jobs are more now online at c103.ie forward slash jobs and on the way next we're going to hear a report that shows young people in the Duhallow and Lee Valley areas that once they are educated and leave secondary school they leave those areas for the cities such as Cork and Dublin but how do we get them back discussing that next Want to know what's happening in Cork? You're in the right place This is Cork Today on C103 a report entitled The Youth Needs Analysis in Duhallow and the Lee Valley shows a number of findings and recommendations. IRD Duhallow published the document and it hopes it would lead to changes for the better of both regions. And Maura Walsh is CEO of IRD Duhallow and joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Maura. Good morning and thanks for having us on. And thanks for joining us. I mean, this report, like many others, it does show uh, something that other areas of the country are very familiar with. And it's simply that we educate our young people locally in primary schools and secondary schools that we all fight for and fundraise for. But then once they hit the age of 18 and they decide, that, as many do, we go to college, they head to our cities, but they don't usually come back. Yeah, there is a bit of that. And I- 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The report was launched by Norma Foley, the Minister for, for Education, and what was very interesting in it was the huge level of satisfaction with the primary schools and the secondary schools that you mentioned there, the fundraising is paying off because I think they had a huge satisfaction with what they're getting in the, 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 the quality of the local schools. Yet they go to college and they don't come back. Why don't they come back? We know that something like close to 70% of them want to come back, which is unusual. 60, well, I won't say unusual. It happened in the last survey we did in Duhalo, the first survey we actually did over nearly 25 years ago, had the very same figure or close enough. Between 16 and 70% would have the ambition to come back and live and work here. And the problem is that we don't have enough of the what we would call the white-collar or blue-collar jobs that they want, that they would aspire to having done their third-level education. So when they complete their education, you know, they, they do wish to come back, but it's the yes. jobs are in the major cities and that, that can be Dublin, Cork, Limerick or wherever. And commuting for, for a lot of people isn't an option. It can tire you out if, if yes. you're having a busy day at work. Uh, also, though, I mean, speaking of travel, people do travel and come back. But is it very hard then once they go to college? Is that something that we need to look at regarding third level, that when they do witness the bright lights of a city, uh, they might find it slow to go back to a rural area despite of education? I, I actually don't think so, because, it, it, it again, now going on what, what came back to us on the survey, the course I want to go to college and they love college and better still, I'm quite sure there are people in Cork City that will opt to go to college in Dublin or Galway or Limerick just to get out and experience somewhere else. It, it's not just the bright lights. Um, I think that it's the, the opportunities, the job opportunities. Um, 
I think the pandemic has shown us and, and the, the lockdown and, and where people had to work from home has shown us that areas like Duhallow is well capable of keeping and hosting and having people working in fairly high power jobs, not alone in Ireland, but right across the globe, based here and able to work here. And I think that's that's the challenge now to look at. And I know the government has launched a strategy, as we said, had the minister in, in social protection as part of her, you know, getting people back into work again. Um, a strategy of developing, you know, hubs in, in the, the rural towns, which would be very important. Now, we have rural hubs. Alban were the first to kick off. Laharden Cross, Glosh, Touring Cahill. You know, quite a number of our communities have adapted their community centres so that people that want to try either study part-time or work, you know, that it isn't always at the end of the kitchen table. You can go out into your own private space and do it as well. And that's important. But I do think looking to the future... We shouldn't only look to our major cities, um, you know, for the, the, I don't know, the Google bases or whatever. I think a lot of those could be based in more rural areas. I mean, I, I always point to the fact that, you know, Kerry Group based in Nice, they didn't quite go to the Docklands. You know, and Nice wouldn't be, and it's, and it's out in the country, it's not in Nice town either. So there is nothing to stop us having a strategy that would look at, I suppose, sustainable development in rural areas. The rural areas should not just be the providers of agricultural produce and, you know, a few manufacturing industries, that there should be um, a possibility of having, um, you know, a, a range of work opportunities available. Yeah, and you make a good point there with COVID. So many people who were forced to work from home and now a lot of these people have engaged with their employers and they are moving to areas where they're from or moving yes. to more rural areas. And uh, even, we, we on can, part-time even on a part-time basis. Even on a part-time basis or even a hybrid basis. basis. I'm hearing yes. of people who have moved back from Dublin and now will in the future travel to Dublin for a day or two days <laughs> a week or uh, how many <laughs> days a month. The hybrid basis, yeah. They might go for a week, full week and be back for three or go for two days every week and be back for the other three. I think that will happen more. And that is seemingly is with the big companies such as Google you mentioned there, they seem to be happy enough with that. So that does well, send be some hope. Because it's saving, it's saving them hugely on, on very office expensive space. Uh, office space in, in, in prime locations in cities. Cuts down their heating, <laughs> everything, all yeah. their bills. And then the other side is people who just simply cannot afford a house in cities and are already buying in rural areas. For example, yeah. here in Cork, people, as you know, Maura, will travel from Kenturk via here every morning into their yep. city centre okay. office and back again. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fair drive as, as people do from Clonakilty and Skibbereen and, and from various parts of East Cork into the city. Uh, you know, again, that could become a hybrid model, but also with these hubs, people will be able to get away from the home, but still be yes. in the local area. W- would that change maybe yes. the, a report I like this in the future? That I think that should influence it, and that's one of the, the byproducts that we're expecting out of it. And it gives, I suppose, it gives legitimacy to those in the communities and in government that are saying, look, I think we should develop hubs, you know, decent hubs in rural areas and a variety of, uh, because I think the same is going to be true for colleges. I, I even, you know, post-COVID, I think there will be a hybrid mod, uh, model available there as well. You will be in the city, you will be in, you know, lectures in Boole or wherever, or CIT so many days or whatever in, in the week, but you will also be at home on the other days on your Zoom. 
Yeah, and while it's very important for people to go and travel and go away to college, it's it's just when people want to settle down and come back, they feel yeah. they can't go to their, where they're from because of the, there's no jobs and then they can't buy in the cities because they can't afford their houses so they end up yes. going back to where they're from and then having long commutes and that's what needs yes. to change. Okay. Something in the past, Maura, that we have discussed in reports like this uh, when they've been conducted is many people that are living in county areas, for example, West Cork or North Cork, they okay. feel that it can be a disadvantage for them for a number of reasons uh, for living in these areas. Did anything like that come out of this report? Would you believe the the, the, the only downsides that are, that are coming up, one is because this took us right up to age 35. Oftentimes when people do youth reports, they will concentrate on the transition year students, which is important and they need advice. But we broke it into two other cohorts. The, 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 we say the 18 to 25 year olds, lack of social outlets, total lack of social outlets, uh, you know, I've noticed myself, this is anecdotal, it wasn't in the report, but I've noticed since they've opened the pubs and having outside, um, you know, areas with the umbrellas and the, the windshields and what have you, there is a far better atmosphere and a lot more young people, even when you pass rural areas, out having a drink or a beverage in the evening, even if it isn't that fine or that sunny, or indeed eating out. I think that's something that we could look at again and that, you know, what we might keep. There are some things that we we need to lose and lose fast, but there are some things we need to keep. The other disadvantage uh, that came up was the feeling of isolation, loneliness. Uh, I do think we need to look at our infrastructures. Uh, like, for August there, it's excellent. The diocese and youth services are there. But again, you're looking at people that are hugely involved in the youth club you're looking at up to 16 whereas after that we do need to have now a bit of work has been done in this area you have things like the Glen Theatre you have the cultural centres like in Brook the Corrigan Rock Chapel Guinea Willa has one I think we need to look at more I know Nocknagree have a very ambitious plan to become that centre again for you know that would take on not just the traditional culture but you know new forms of culture new forms of dance theatre whatever um I think we need to look at that whole social aspect and, and, and not just try to fit our people into what's on offer currently, but look at new offerings. I also think then in the older age group, the ones that 25 to 35, they are the young parents. They're the people that are starting to build the homes of their own, starting, they're, they're squeezed, God love them, they are squeezed. They're squeezed with mortgages, which are rising by the day, by all accounts. Um, you're looking at a 30%, I think, increase in building materials alone, not to mention on the labour side. So you're going to have a fairly hefty mortgage. You're also going to have kids at that age, and you're going to be looking at fairly serious childcare costs. Now, Duhallow is blessed. We have seven, eight, actually, crashes right down into the Lee Valley. So, you know, everybody has an opportunity of dropping their child to a crash where there is quality care. But the affordability of that has to be looked at. And my own personal view is we need to start looking at tax breaks for young people. Like back in my day, we would have had a tax break on mortgages and you had a tax break on childcare. That got abolished. Everybody pays the same, more fair, more equal. But look, we have to give some bit of leeway to the people that are 25 to 35. They are really squeezed on both counts. Totally, and the pressure that is on them to uh, work so many hours, then come home and, and trying to uh, mind the children while I you're have, still trying to pay everything. I have no quality of like bill Nothing. after bill coming in the door. I, it, it must be, you know, I remember that phase myself, you know, we were being childcare, paying mortgage, but like, 
because of them, they're even more squeezed now than we yeah. were. Because prices have gone up way, way more so over the last five or six years. And interesting, yeah. you mentioned the loneliness aspect there mm-hmm. and yes. how you, your own evidence of driving around and seeing people out more. Yes. Is that yes. what we need, though, that kind of atmosphere? I, I mean, maybe so. people go to the cities for the so. atmosphere. And if we get the atmosphere <laughs> back, because many years ago, 20 years ago, county towns were booming. Uh, people were going yes. home a weekend, rushing home to go yes. out at home, whereas now yes. it's gone rushing to get back up to the city yes. to go out. So yes. maybe that, that is the way forward. I and and look at how we do things differently. There is a way to look at that. And the other thing that came up hugely important in the 18 to 25 year olds is the cost of car insurance. Mm, Dear yeah. God, someone has to look at that at government level. The, like, the was claims, claims, claims. They were a high risk. Like, I, I don't see it. You know, th- there are ways. Like, you, you, they can buy a car for 2000 and their insurance will cost them 4000 And they're starting off in a job, even to have your degree, even to have, like, you're a young person, you know, if you were starting off in an accountancy firm or in a law firm, you'd be looking to be on 24000 a year. And they know that you're paying all your tax, you're paying your rent, you're paying whatever, and then you have to pay 4000 insurance, plus put petrol and tax on it. Yeah, it, and if you're living in an area like Duhalla or the Lee Valley or anywhere uh, across Cork, you, you've no choice but to get the car. Uh, you can't uh, use yeah. buses, public transport, yeah. they're not reliable enough for, for, not, for work times. Yeah. And, and it's not economical. Like, it's okay to say, look, rural link, and they're not doing enough mm. and whatever. They're doing what they can do. What we really, really need to do is, like, there is, and there has to be car culture, whether it's electric, hybrid, or whatever we're going to in the future. But one way or another, it's nobody has told me it's the cost, <laughs> you know, it's the cost of the insurance is the huge inhibitor that has to be looked at. True. And, and as I mentioned, the buses in, there, I, I was kind of alluding to more rural areas rather than yeah. towns whereby you may you yeah. will have bus services going through yeah. major towns. Yeah. Uh, but as you say, if you're living in a rural area outside Kenturk that could be yeah. 20 minutes yeah. away from Kenturk, then yeah. you still need to get to the bus and that's where the car comes in. You do. Uh, it's an interesting report, Maura, and uh, glad to see the, what is coming out of that will be looked into anyhow and hopefully we'll have more positive findings over the next uh, number of years. For the moment, uh, thanks for joining us uh, regarding that report. You're very, very welcome and thanks for featuring it. That is Maura Walsh there, who is CEO of IRD Duhallo. Uh, interesting report on youth analysis and the needs in the Duhallo and the Lee Valley areas. Your views are welcome. 1850 333 103. Or you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. How many of you were due to get married last Last year, how many uh, were getting married this year? You just decided to go ahead with it, or did you push out the date and then push out the date again? Uh, well, one man has done that, and we'll speak with him next. Many people's wedding plans were thrown up in the air due to COVID and the various restrictions, and even with changes, many people decided to hold off until this year, and still uh, things were being pushed back. Well, one man who is getting married this week he's joined us before on the show as he's one of the stars of Operation Transformation that is Malaman Wayne O'Donnell who joins me good morning to you Wayne good morning John Paul how are you I'm fine and uh, a big congratulations to you eventually the day is going ahead yourself and Jackie it's tomorrow isn't it you're getting married Tomorrow, yeah, we're heading off to Clarion now today, and the big day is tomorrow. Well, thanks for taking time out on a busy day before you're, you're getting married to chat with us. Uh, just take us back because, like so many other people, you know, planning for the wedding day is a huge event, a huge amount of preparation goes into this. And when did you first realise that you would have to cancel and undo everything that was planned? Yeah, so I suppose, JP, um, we were meant to get married last year, um, 29th July last year, and we. I suppose with COVID hitting and, and everything happening at the start of the summer, we still thought we might be okay. But as the, the summer went on, we soon realised that 
you know, it was getting more serious and we just decided to postpone it really early, I, I guess. Um, we knew a lot of people in the same boat as us, but what myself and Jackie decided to do was just put it back a full year, um, which was a great call. Now, I guess, we we decided to put it back a full year because, you know, we family living abroad that we would like to come and with the uncertainty with going to the shop, I suppose the wedding wasn't wasn't anything important in, in the grand scale of things. Um, so yeah, we postponed it last year until the 29th of July this year. And when you were postponing, I mean, at the, the initial wedding you had, was it a big wedding where you're going to have a, a big attendance? Yeah, like I suppose we, we were we were probably hoping for the, around the 200 mark, I mm. guess. Um, so yeah, we would have had a pretty big attendance at the first date initially. Um, but, you know, we just we just said, look, instead of having to postpone it a few times, we just said, look, we put it off a full year. There's, there are more important things happening in the world right now. And that's that kind of led us to a few weeks ago. And were the hotels and everybody else you were dealing with, they were okay? Was, was it a big, a hard deal to change everything or, or was it fairly okay? No, I suppose, look, we were lucky. Um, myself and Jackie are the type of people that the glass is always half full rather than half empty. So mm. we, we we contacted the hotel and they were very accommodating. And, you know, it wasn't really that important at the time because of COVID being so, you know, forefront to everyone's lives. Um, we were more worried about you know, close people not picking up or we were fortunate enough that no one really close to us got really sick or, or has passed away, thankfully, um, from COVID. So, you know, no, everyone was kind of supportive and appreciative. Now, I, I know it's their livelihoods and it's, it's unfortunate the way things are and have been for the last two years now in area, I guess. But, um, no, everyone was very, you know, understanding of, of the arrangements. And so we postponed a full year up until kind of six weeks ago, I guess. And now when you came to this year, you had to move things forward again because you were hoping as they are from tomorrow that uh, the maximum number of guests permitted at, at the wedding will be 100, will increase from 50 to 100. So you had to uh, minorly adjust things there in the last few weeks as well so it would go ahead today. Yeah, so we were very fortunate. Again, we, I suppose when, when the leak started on Twitter and whatnot about the fifth being the day for the 100, um, I just got myself and Jackie just got on to a few suppliers in the hotel and the cathedral especially and they were actually free the 5th of August so it was meant to be the 29th of July which was last Thursday so we just literally put it back one week to get the 100 um, tomorrow so that actually all worked out really well um, which was fantastic for us I guess because you know that extra 50 people was great and it was it was just it all fell into place to be honest John Paul you know the hotel work were free the cathedral where we're getting married were free the priest was free, Father Lynchig was free, um, and every, the photographer, everyone who needed to be free could just put back a week, which was great. Well, that's really good because there's always usually someone or something that won't be able to fit in. So, yeah, as you say, it was fantastic. They were all free and everything worked out. Is it tough for someone who was planning a wedding and initially you want 200 people at it and now you, you have to choose 50 and now 100? But, I mean, marking people off the list, everybody does understand because of what is happening, but it must have been very, very tough. Yeah, look, like I suppose a wedding is a luxury that we're we're very grateful and fortunate to be able to go ahead with. Um, but like I, I guess people understand that there's more serious things happening in the world, and you know we're we're just so fortunate we can go ahead and have a great day tomorrow and get married. But you know the doctors and nurses and the hospitals have been so busy, and just so much people have been under so much pressure um, in the last two years. You know, myself, Jackie, Mam, and all our family went through grief two years ago three years ago now when my father passed away so 
we know what it's like to, to lose someone and you know when, when you go through something like that in your life a wedding is just a wedding it, it, we're delighted to be getting married tomorrow um, but me and Jackie have been through the, the worst part of for better for worse you know we've been through a lot in our lives already so like we weren't really we were more stressed about people asking us were we stressed rather than us being stressed ourselves or asking us have you ever done like Jackie's so fantastic she's a primary teacher so she's been organised for two years so People even this week and last week were like, have you the last few bits to do? And we're like, we, we have them all done. We have two years to get this right. Um, so, yeah, no, it's been it's been great. But, like, you know, again, it, like, as I say, it's a luxury to get married. We're very fortunate. But me and Jackie are so tight and we have such a good relationship ourselves. You know, we, we just are grateful to have tomorrow. But, you know, there's, there's been a lot of controversy about weddings and, you know, a lot of people giving out and, there was a few people marching in Dublin last week and, you know, we're just not that type of people. We've, we've, we know that, you know, the country has, has been hit, the world has been hit. Um, so we're just, we just go with the flow, really. And we're, we're looking forward to tomorrow now, John Paul, and all systems go. Well, it's great to hear you're, you're that well planned. I know many couples who aren't that well planned as you were uh, for their wedding. So that, that's really good. And I mean, you you know the stresses and the pressure that comes on from the TV programme Operation Transformation. Uh, is there any similar stresses or nervousness on the day before you get married? Or are you just both very excited? Uh, yeah, we're very excited. Well, if there is nervousness, we don't have it yet anyway. Um, <laughs> we're, we're just literally packing the carrier. We're actually going down tonight, so... We're, we're, no, we're just excited, you know, um, as I said already, myself and Jackie have been through so much with all the rest of our family, um, so we're just looking forward to a great day out. Um, no, we're, we're not, I'm not nervous yet, I don't think Jackie, Jackie, I'm probably more nervous than Jackie, she's so calm, <laughs> but um, no, we're, we're actually all good at the moment, thank God. And, and as I said, we're, we're all healthy, you know. That's the main thank, thing, yeah. Thankfully, uh, we're all going tomorrow. And you're, you're heading off shortly to Killarney and then tomorrow, what time is your, your wedding tomorrow? Yeah, so the cathedral is at two tomorrow in, in the cathedral in Clarny. Um, so I can't give an opening right now because numbers are restricted, John Paul. So obviously, yeah, people don't be turning up to Clarny tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so but it's no, a beautiful cathedral. Up. It's really a beautiful cathedral. I was there for a wedding a number of years ago, and it, it is really lovely. So you'll really enjoy that. Yeah, and we're looking forward to like faith will be really important to Jackie and I. So we're we're, we're thankful to be getting married in the cathedral. It's such a as well as spectacular venue and um, yeah it's it's just all falling into place now and we, we can't wait to get going Well have a fantastic day there's a number of people who want to say hello to you first of all there's a, a number of people in Mallow who say can you wish Wayne and Jackie they're a fantastic couple wish them all the best for tomorrow and we'll see them soon and uh, huge congratulations to Wayne and Jackie on their very special day wishing them both a lifetime of happiness and lots of love always uh, from the Fermoy gang so a good few people there wishing you well uh, to both of you Wayne and Jackie and the people that were due to come home last year for, for your wedding are, are they lucky are they able to come home? Yeah, yeah. Or I suppose um, one of Jackie's bridesmaids, thankfully, is home from America. She's fully vaccinated, and my uncle and his family are home as well. Um, so they've all all the protocols done, and they're all home. Um, so yeah, everyone that's close to us and that we need to be there are there. So we're we're just thankful and grateful for everyone making the effort. I suppose for coming home, it, it means a lot, to Jackie and I. Well, after all the changes and the pushbacks and everything going on over the last year and eventful year when it comes to organising a wedding, the day is tomorrow. So, Wayne, uh, to yourself and pass on this as well to Jackie. From all of us here at C103, the very best to you tomorrow. Uh, I know you'll have a fabulous day and a safe journey later to Killarney. Thanks so much, Jean-Paul. Appreciate it. Have a fantastic day.
Take care to you both. That is Wayne O'Donnell there. Uh, we remember him. He joined us a number of years ago when he was involved in the Operation Transformation Programme, well known in the Malawi area. And we had to just uh, touch base with him because so many people were affected with weddings and the way weddings were being planned, planned uh, over the last number of years. Uh, a lot of changes in the last year, the way they went. And to think that you've everything set in stone. Anybody that's got married knows the pressure that there is uh, getting things ready for the big day and then you have to change it and then you may have to change it again. So... Uh, uh, that's the reality uh, from Wayne there and the best of luck to himself and Jackie for their big day tomorrow in Killarney. Our lines are open 1850-333-103 or you can text or WhatsApp 086-2103-103. It's Cork today with you until one and your calls and comments are welcome to Bernie 1850-333-103 text or WhatsApp 086-2103-103 gardening questions also on that number. Uh, Peter Doddle will be joining us after 12 13 with all your gardening advice and indeed answering all your gardening queries but first back to a number of calls and comments into us across the programme on various issues we've been dealing with and first of all back to Eileen and Mallow uh, she wanted to know earlier if she took a photo of her Covid search uh, is that acceptable for indoor dining rather than carrying a piece of paper well we did advise Aline at that stage if she could upload it to the COVID app that they released last year. That was the, the, the best way many people are using at the moment and it's just the, it's the easiest way if you have a smartphone uh, because if you take a photo if there's any way blurry or if, it's, if anything is, is marked on the photo it won't work. Well on that a number of people came back to us and said I did take a photo of my COVID search onto my phone and when I went into the restaurant they could not scan it so maybe not do that. A lot of people uh, and we were saying that if it's any bit blurry or if it doesn't come out correct it might not work and it has not worked for so many people that were on to us on WhatsApp so if you are Eileen going to go down that route from the feedback we've got I would not uh, if you can get someone to upload it on that COVID app it's then on your smartphone if you have a smartphone um, if, if you don't have a smartphone I, I think the only way around it is having uh, that piece of paper but if you have a smartphone uh, try that app that's the easiest way people are uh, doing that when they're going in and out of various restaurants or bar so hopefully you have some luck with that Aline but from the photo aspect on the feedback we're getting it's not what is working for many people out there and on the bar staff then sticking with that and the abuse that uh, bar staff are getting at the doors and these are young members of staff in the bar when they just simply ask for the Covid search as people go in for indoor dining uh, they're getting abused now it's only a minority of people are doing this uh, according to the Vintners Association we spoke with earlier in the show but on this uh, a number of texts summed up by this man who says that publican is a gentleman uh, that was Michael O'Donovan that spoke with us earlier uh, from the Cork Vintners Association and this person says what he is doing is right for his clients not like others who simply don't care and a lot of other texters like Jim and Donald saying the same as that person and earlier on we were mentioning that Catherine a poem uh, that she hosted around for 50 friends and former colleagues a private function it was held in the Marion Hotel and it was attended by Tawnish Jalir Vrakar reported this morning in the Irish Independent and this event it was six days before uh, Mr. Pone was controversially appointed special envoy on freedom and opinion and expression now uh, the Irish Hotels Federation their guidelines say that for hotels and guest houses it states that organised events indoor and outdoor are 
are not permitted unless they are weddings or non-social meetings, trainings and educational programmes considered essential to the operation of a business. The guidelines for pubs and restaurants says a maximum of 200 attendees can attend the majority of venues and the government hospitality rules does not permit customers to book multiple tables in a restaurant, a pub or a hotel. Uh, So then when 50 friends and former colleagues showed up, a lot of people uh, weren't too impressed with that. We did uh, play you clips from uh, a number of politicians earlier in the show who had mixed views on this. Uh, just a comment here from Leanne summing up what she feels. And I think a lot of people would agree with Leanne on this. She says, everyone is being cautious at the moment with regards to adhering to the rules. I know so many people who just are not going out indoor or outdoor. They're just going to wait for another few months to see how things go. Uh, they might have lost interest over the last year or so and they might have moved on to different things in their lives, different activities. People are just watching at the moment and how things are rolling out. But then when you hear this this morning on 50 Friends of Catherine Sapone and going along to that hotel in Dublin, it's so unfair. It's like there's a one rule for one part of the country who are dishing out the rules and then us who are being careful and are adhering to all the regulations, we don't do this. But yes, are we punished or are we fools? Leanne says she really, that is Catherine Sapone, really should have known organising anything like this was wrong uh, first of all wrong for optics but also so wrong for a person in her position to know what is going on around her and with everybody rearranging communions confirmations weddings get togethers that she had to have this party why uh, so wrong so many others have lost out on events over the year and so many others have lost their loved ones it just sends out the wrong signal yet again had they not learned from last year with Golfgate says Leanne on 1850 and we mentioned and spoke with Ralph Regal, the Southern correspondent with the Irish Independent earlier and spoke with the local councillor in the Passage West and Monkstown area, Marcia Dalton, on the shock there in the community over the passing of the well-known priest, Father Con Cronin, and indeed the bus driver, Mark Wills, on that tragedy that occurred yesterday in Monkstown, just on Father Con. Teresa is in Borland and she says, I knew him very well. He was an outstanding human being. He is one of three brothers, brothers. His brother Teddy still lives in Borland. That's the Borland Valley uh, where he's originally from, that area Father Con is. And Father Con could dance the Borland polka like no one else. He was never judgmental and he was a late vocation as he looked after his mother, says Theresa. Uh, while a person here on text says, Hi John Paul, listening to your interview with the people of Passage West and Monkston and how sad they are at the passing of Father Con Cronin. Well, I want to tell you as a neighbour of Father Cons in Borland and as a friend I want to say we are heartbroken we can't find words to express the pain we are feeling right now Con loved his native Borland and the people of the Borland Valley I want to go on and on but right now our hearts are broken at the loss of the most beautiful person rest in peace Father Con we will never forget you uh, a person on text uh, texting that into us earlier to 086 and again our sympathies to all the friends and family of Father Con Cronin and also the friends and family of Mark Wills the bus driver involved in that tragedy yesterday in Monkstown 
And on to a number of calls we're getting in regarding scam calls. John McCroom, uh, who says, I got another one of these phone calls this morning from claiming to be from social welfare. Now, they were going to cancel his social welfare number and he was asked to press one. It was from an 086 number the call came from. And again, we tell people, ignore those calls. If you press one, what will end up happening to you is you will, by chance, you won't be aware, but you're actually dialing a premium number. So your phone bill will increase or your call credit will decrease uh, as you're as you're you're pressing one, you're actually dialing a premium number set up by the scam artists. And also something that we're hearing about from a number of people is that when they're getting those phone calls, the phone number is very like their own. It's only the last two or three digits is different. So that is catching people out as well when they see the phone number. First of all, they think it's someone that knows them. And then they realise the phone number is very similar to their own. And what's happening now is people are not answering their phones. So a lot of people are just ignoring phone calls because they don't know if they're genuine or not. So if if you don't have someone's number in your phone, it could lead to a situation whereby you may have to text the person first to get them to answer or leave a voicemail. Uh, but that is having a knock on effect due to the level of scam calls that seem to be increasing now day by day. Uh, Wednesday, I have noticed, seems to be the day they hit uh, certain areas, uh, certainly Ireland anyhow. Uh, I, I don't know if it's just Cork on a Wednesday, but certainly Ireland, uh, they seem to hit the Irish mobiles on a Wednesday because every single Wednesday for the last six or seven weeks, we get more calls on a Wednesday than we do any other day. Maybe on a Friday as well, but it's always a Wednesday for some reason for those scam calls. So just be aware of that. They are doing the rounds. And if you get one uh, claiming to be from social welfare, asking you to press one, don't hang up uh, because you will be uh, costing yourself a lot of money if you press uh, the button one on your phone. And just staying with scams at the moment because Daniel O'Donnell, the well-known singer, uh, he has come out. He's warning fans to be on their guard for a fraudster who basically is impersonating him on social media. Now, the singer has had his name repeatedly used over the last number of years by hackers online. Uh, last year, there was a message going around on Instagram claiming to be from him and a false page as well. It was Facebook a number of years before that. But this one, anyhow, it's a new one. And it's a fresh alert from Daniel to his follow- followers because this guy who's claiming to be from Daniel, he basically is on Facebook and he sends a message on the Messenger app from Facebook and it comes from Daniel O'Donnell, but it obviously isn't Daniel O'Donnell. Uh, so on the Messenger, it's basically trying to interact with the person that receives it and he's asking fans then to open a folder that they send on in order to gain benefits as a registered member of a fan club for Daniel and then you're being asked to proceed in this fan club and you could pick up a $100 worth of Amazon cards $100 worth of Amazon cards if you continue to click on the folder that opens up to a link that click on the link it opens up to another link uh, but if you keep opening up the links I would assume at some stage you're going to enter a bank account for some reference or for uh, the money to be transferred to your account uh, so it has been reported to Facebook but if you come across this because uh, they are targeting people who may be vulnerable and are clicking on the message thinking it's Daniel O'Donnell uh, and again Daniel has come out himself to say that he does not communicate directly with fans on either Facebook Messenger or on WhatsApp or on Instagram or on any other social media site or indeed any forum. He's asking people who 
are caring for people as well to be careful of this because a number of people last year were caught by this one on Instagram and also there was a one earlier on in the year last year on Facebook as well on Messenger similar to this one uh, claiming to be Daniel O'Donnell and claiming to be looking for details to register for this fan club and this is very similar uh, but it goes one step further asking you to open a folder and you could win so much money on Amazon cards so just be aware of that and the reason that the, the, the message has gone out again regarding this scam and why we're calling it out again is earlier on last year when a first scam using Daniel uh, came out and it was the height of the pandemic at that stage I think it was uh, March or April of 2020 uh, we had got calls from people who said I have received this from Daniel isn't it great so I clicked on this and clicked on that and you know we were advising them it's a scam and we, we had been given the information uh, from Daniel O'Donnell and he had gone public on this but many people were saying we were wrong and they were giving out to us saying no Daniel has contacted me so I'm going to click on the message and he's not a scam artist and it's Daniel and how dare you say I can't click on this and I want to talk to Daniel and you're just jealous because you didn't get a message and all of this went on on the phone uh, and you're trying to explain to the person that it's actually a scam and that if you click on the link more than likely somewhere you'll either get information that you have on your phone taken or they'll maybe access your banking details off the phone or they'll look for a bank account details uh, but people are so convinced and if they're huge fans of Daniel to think that Daniel uh, has reached out to them a messenger they don't see what actually is going on so just be very careful and I think that's the message Daniel wants to get across uh, because unfortunately from the calls we got uh, last year on this a lot of people didn't believe uh, what was going on they felt it was it was made up that there was no scam going on but there is a scam so be careful of that because people got caught last time around uh, and money was handed over so just be aware of that if you're looking out for people uh, from scams then to that survey we spoke to this was on the Duhalo survey looking into young people and their needs in the Duhalo and Lee Valley areas and one of those that came out was the cost of high car insurance and indeed uh, Joan is in Bantir and she says on that and driving uh, Joan says theory tests and driving tests need to be looked at young people need to be able to get on the road you can't live in rural Ireland without being able to drive while Joey says I agree with you John Paul yes if you're in a town such as Clonakilty or Skibbereen or any other town across the county there is bus services coming through good bus services from both Bus Aaron and West Cork Connect but then if you're living in outer areas more rural areas maybe even villages we know there's rural link as Maura said in the interview with you but many areas don't live on those routes either you just simply need a car to get to the town to get a bus to the city so rural driving is an issue and you've no choice but to drive so that does need to be looked at when it comes to insurance and accessing driving tests says Joey on WhatsApp to 0862103103 and Michael is in Castletown Bear and he says John Paul anyone with anything between their ears would agree with Maura Walsh rural Ireland has been on the back burner for a long long time and thanks to our councillors and our teams of planners in this country the countryman attitude has prevailed for years just like the class distinction of north and south in the cities absolutely disgusting and sickening it's time to elect some forward thinking people to these offices in order to propel rural Ireland look at the state 
state of the fishing industry, one of our main industries, if not the main one, as there are question marks over farming, uh, says Michael O'Sullivan in Castletown Bear on WhatsApp to 0862103103. And a WhatsApp that came in earlier and this, if anybody can confirm this, we've checked out with the welfare uh, departments and uh, nothing from their side is yet, but maybe people are affected and maybe it's a, a bank issue. Uh, hi JP, is there any delay on social welfare payments today? Do you know? I tried to contact the Department of Social Welfare but I can't get through. Now there's nothing uh, to us from them saying there's a delay before when this happens there are some usually issues with bank accounts or, or the bank you are with so maybe there's a, a delay uh, with a certain bank but if anybody uh, has any information maybe if you are uh, waiting on your social welfare payments today and you have not received them as yet or is there something to do with a certain bank let us know call Bernie 1850 and also a WhatsApp that came in earlier and this is to do with masks the, all the face masks we wear at the moment and uh, some people well we all are we'll stick of wearing them but we know we have to wear them but this is an incident that this person came across yesterday uh, she phoned a hairdresser and she feels like she's been discriminated against because this person can't wear a mask so she feels now she has to cut her own hair and she wanted to arrange a, a hair appointment for September or the end of September uh, for Holy Communion that may be coming up uh, but she feels that she has COPD so she can't wear a face mask and the business you rang did not understand this and she feels that she was discriminated against because she can't sit for a long period of time in a hairdresser wearing a face mask because of her condition COPD. Uh, the business weren't willing to uh, take her business because of, of the, the what she was explaining to them and the condition. Uh, so she feels that uh, with everything going on businesses need to understand about this and need to wise up that there are people out there who do suffer from conditions like COPD and they can't wear a mask Uh, also this person says England got rid of them but they left it up to the people if they want to wear them Uh, this is the seventh or eighth time it has happened to me I'm just sick of all these government rules says that person on WhatsApp Um, yeah but if you you explained it to the hairdresser I'm not too sure I mean I suppose the hairdresser's point of view is they're worried for their staff so they're probably putting their staff first in a situation and their customers and maybe they're they don't mean to be sounding discriminatory to you but maybe they just feel they can't let this happen because I'm sure they're aware of the condition COPD I hope they would be uh, but maybe from their point of view they're going to stick to what they are doing and some businesses are doing that and they know they will lose business but they feel they have to and they, they, their staff may not be happy uh, that's I, I'm not sure what the business person said to you directly but that's the only way we can uh, see it from their point of view from from your own point of view it must be very frustrating if you're in that situation have others come across this if you have a condition uh, like our person on WhatsApp who has COPD and I know you mentioned England there the, the England did get so-called get rid of masks but I was watching a UK TV programme on ITV and really it's it's a bit of a mess when it comes to face masks over there because you don't have to wear them but then every place you go into uh, they were mentioning supermarkets like Asda and Sainsbury's in the UK and they have big signs up saying you must wear a mask going into these uh, shops otherwise you're not allowed in even though the government have more or less said different than they're over there it's changing by the day on what they're saying and then government minister uh, was being interviewed on one of the shows on ITV and when they asked him would he wear a mask if he was going into an enclosed area and he said he would uh, so while they have said you don't have to in the UK in England anyhow 
they're still wearing them so I'm not too sure what is going on over there there's a lot of confusion that's just going on an interview now I saw um, on uh, it was a Good Morning Britain uh, TV show in the UK uh, so uh, from, from watching that I wouldn't be going looking too much at the UK because they say one thing but they're seemingly doing another thing and even the presenters were questioning them uh, and, and questioning the ministers to say like the, the confusion over there is growing and growing so at least here there's there's a line and you say this is happening and it's happening uh, so I'm not too sure looking to the UK or England anyhow uh, is the right thing to do but I can totally see your situation with regarding having uh, a health condition and not able to wear a mask uh, your views are welcome have you come across that any advice for a listener and if we don't get to that today on the show we'll certainly bring it to you tomorrow and help for that listener on wearing a mask long term especially in a hairdresser as your views are welcome and the same number for your gardening questions Peter O'Donnell joins us very shortly 1850 text or whatsapp 0862 103 the C103 Cork Diary with the new Explore Cork app a Cork County Council initiative the perfect way to plan your staycation in Cork and Castletown Bear Development Association they are holding a drive-in car quiz that's going ahead this evening at 8 o'clock in the Beira Coast Hotel car park teams of four are 25 euro per car and proceeds in aid of Beira Ladies Football Club and Cork McSherry Development Association they're holding a drive-in bingo and that's going ahead tomorrow evening at 7 o'clock it's in a field where it will be signposted from the village and gates open at 6.30pm no booking required and Kildallery Community Development they will hold their weekly lotto draw that's going ahead at 4 o'clock tomorrow in the local community office this week's jackpot there is 2,700 euro and Age Friendly Bandon uh, they will hold a drive-in bingo that's going ahead this coming Sunday it's starting at 3 o'clock in the March in Bandon and books are available locally in Bandon at the St Michael's Centre O'Farrell's Hickey's and O'Donovan's Across Cork City and County, this is Cork Today on C103. And our person on WhatsApp who was inquiring regarding the wearing of masks, she wishes to get her hair done, but she has COPD and she can't wear the mask for long periods. The hairdresser she rang wouldn't really allow her in without keeping the mask on for that long length of time. And she wasn't very happy with that. She feels she's been discriminated against. Well, uh, on that, a number of people have come back and a number of people, uh, those that have come back, uh, have either COPD or indeed have relatives with COPD. COPD. Uh, this person says my husband has COPD and even though he is vaccinated uh, with a very long time he knows he must still wear his mask while Bridie says uh, hi JP uh, I really feel for that lady Bush at the end of the day I also suffer from a lung disease and I have to wear my mask and I have gone to the hairdressers and sat there for nearly an hour or more uh, with and wearing a mask and it is very tough but I know to protect myself and others I have to do it so uh, I'm not sure if she is able to, or willing uh, to sit that out maybe uh, the hairdresser she rang could they provide a service where they could come to her if she uh, speaks to them about it uh, says Bridie while Mary is saying uh, again everybody's feeling for, for this person but they're saying look uh, Mary's in a situation she has COPD it is very tough but even going through what we all are she has to wear the mask as well it is extremely tough on her and she feels while it's it's tougher in a hairdresser situation says Mary because it's so warm and that can obstruct your, your breathing and really your way of thinking says Mary afterwards but for the safety Mary does wear hers 
and she says while she feels for the lady she might have no choice but to wear her mask uh, but she should speak to management there at some hairdressers to see if they can maybe have a, a home service or if they do a home service or something like that that might make it easier for her that's the way around there's just some ideas that are coming into us there for that lady onto us regarding WhatsApp um, and also on something totally different this is the survey that we were speaking with uh, Maura from IRD to Hallow and on that uh, person says here because Michael and Castleton Bear was on about planners and how they have changed things over the years and that's why rural Ireland is in the way it is now a texter here says I think it's too late to save some rural areas of Ireland and this is down to stupid planners over the years who as this texter puts it would not know a cow from a bull and they have destroyed local and rural areas of Ireland and going back to and staying with that survey Helen, and this is on young people and how we've noticed our, our Maura Walsh from C, a CEO of IRD to Hallow said she's noticed so many young people who are enjoying the outdoor side of things at the moment when it comes to restaurants and bars and it's bringing an atmosphere to local towns an atmosphere that might have been missing for a number of years and is that going to come back? Well on that Helen says what a great discussion on rural living with the facts from the surveys well done to IRD to Hallow if young people had live music at their places and gathering at weekends or even a designated weekday night it would be great music from a DJ is good and modern and it it does advance in delivering great sound but when it comes to music and song uh, nothing compares to a live performance a live gig I did experience this in the show band era albeit the tail end of it it was just sheer magic listening to music and song being delivered to a packed ballroom and this was done by nationally and internationally known bands and groups and ballrooms and big local halls even out of the doors of summertime this happened I thought there was a super connection between the performers and the audience dancers and crowds at that time whatever the case may be and that electricity that passed to the young and not so young and everybody enjoyed the night out alcohol wasn't an essential component of this night out and you could enjoy your night without alcohol a couple of drinks was fine with most people but safety always came first oh the memories and I would dearly like to see our young and indeed not so young enjoy some of this in their own style with their own favourite performers these days in their own local areas it says Helen on WhatsApp to 0862103103 and I think a lot of people would agree with you on that that so many in that show band era travelled all over the country to the so-called dance halls at that time uh, that I know more now a lot of them have been knocked down or sold off or, or been used for different uh, well, not being used I suppose or lying idle you could say in some areas but some of them now being used in different capacities than what they were planned for uh, but yeah it was a time that you know they could do it then why can't it happen now why can't big acts travel around the country like it used to happen in the 60s and 70s and back to the lady who wishes to get her hair done with COPD uh, a person here says hi John Paul I also am in the same situation as that lady I have to wear a mask when I go to the hairdressers the doctors and the shops I do hate wearing them uh, but I have um, or could that person use a face shell instead would that be easier for her and a lot of people asking could you ask the hairdressers could you wear a visor would that help and what we said earlier a lot of people asking could you get the hairdresser to do it at home hopefully uh, you're listening to that uh, the person that whatsapped in and that has given you some help uh, for your situation uh, on the way Peter Doddle answering all your gardening queries uh, get your gardening questions to Bernie at 1853 Want to know what's happening in Cork? You're in the right place. This is Cork Today 
on C103. And on the wearing of masks, Trish is in the Glen. She has chronic asthma and she has a problem wearing masks. But where she goes, if she goes anywhere, she asks in advance, is it okay to wear a shield instead? And most people have been okay regarding that. And just an update on the vaccination walk-in centres. There's one going to be in Cork and it's at the Mallow Vaccination Centre. It's going to head on this Sunday from 11am to 3pm. Anyone aged 16 or over who has already not received a vaccine can can attend the Mallow Vaccination Centre, which is at the Mallow GA Complex in Carrigoon. And that's this Sunday from 11am to 3pm. And just a weather warning that has come into us. It's for a Stantis Yellow thunderstorm warning. It's for the Cork area and it's for tomorrow. And they're also issuing a, a flooding and a hazardous driving condition just coming in as well to us. So we have thunderstorms and heavy rain that will bring flooding and hazardous driving conditions to the Cork area tomorrow. That's just literally coming in, as I'm calling it out uh, from Met Aaron this afternoon so it uh, might not be the best time to be in the garden tomorrow but nonetheless Gardening on C103 with Bandon Co-op Garden Centres in Bandon, Kinsale and Enniskeen. For top quality plants advice and value think Bandon Co-op Garden Centres C103 And the Irish gardener himself Peter Dowdell joins us on this Wednesday afternoon as usual. Hi Peter Good afternoon, John Paul. What a great summer to be a gardener. Huh? Two, <laughs> two weeks ago, we were getting the first ever uh, heat warnings which issued by Met Air, and, and now we're looking at thunderstorm and flooding warnings within two short weeks of each other. I know, it's just, it changes so fast, and usually that would happen directly after a warm spell. The thunder would come, but it didn't this time. But it looks like, anyhow, for the moment, it's literally just coming into us that we are going to have a thunderstorm warning in operation for Cork tomorrow. So maybe the, the growth we've seen might be undone by the heavy rain. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, we've a lot of questions in, Peter. I'm going to get straight into them till we get through as many as we can can and first of all this texture says hi Peter we have a lilac tree and it has branches but they're overhanging our avenue is it now time for us to trim them back or will it affect the flowers for next year yes and yes and uh, what I mean by that is yes you can trim it back now it's fine trimming it back back to lilac now but yes that will affect the flower flowering next year but there's, there's kind of no way around it really with lilac John Paul because when you prune lilac is um it, it leads to a lot more growth next year. Like when you prune any plant, it leads to new growth, fresh growth. But with lilac, it tends to be more foliage growth um, as as this, you know, rushes to, to replace lost foliage and lost leaves. So with many plants, uh, you prune them and that will lead to more flowering. Lilac is quite peculiar in that the more you prune it, the more foliage and leaves it will it will give you. So yes, you can prune it back now, but, but yes, it will also interfere with your flowering next year. Um I, you probably don't have any choice in this situation. If it's overhanging a driveway, you, you, you need to do it. It's not going to harm the plant in any way at all. It just means that you will see a lot of foliage next year and perhaps fewer flowers. And, and I suppose on that note, it's just something to bear in mind when you're planting lilac or when you're planting any tree, uh, but in this instance, lilac, just just where you're going to plant it, just makes you, like ideally you never want to prune it. Ideally you should never want to prune it so it'll do its own thing and it'll flower away each year. So just make sure that where you're going to plant one that it has enough space to develop and to come to maturity without needing to be pruned. But in answer to this question, yes, you can prune it now, but unfortunately there's no way around it. It will, it will interfere with flowering next year. Okay, Mary has strawberry hanging baskets with loads of yummy strawberries, she says, but just wondering what do I do with the basket for the winter? Uh, you you can leave the strawberries in it. Like strawberries will will fruit away for several years, 
they're really at their best in year two and year three. So if this is your first year, you'll have lots of yummy strawberries in, in over the winter months. You just need to keep the soil a bit damp, not overly wet, because the plants are dormant, okay? Uh, but you just need to stop it drying out completely, so you don't want them, obviously, to die. So you do need to keep watering it, but not to the same extent as what you would in the summer. If you want, you could just take the baskets down off the brackets uh, and leave them on the ground outside, where nature will probably give them enough water o- over the, the winter months. Now, I say probably, John Paul, because that's not guaranteed. Yes, we will get, it's nearly guaranteed that we'll have enough rain over the winter, but that's not to say it'll necessarily get into the baskets. Uh, so you you may need to pay attention to watering even during the winters just to keep them alive. What you'll also find is the strawberry plants after fruiting, they'll send out these little runners, which are little new plants at the end of these kind of stolons are, are runners. Uh, and they are, just as I described, little new plants. So you can always um, put the little runner plants, put the little rosette of leaves at the end of the runner into a pot full of compost, pin it into it. It'll develop leaves all on its own, or develop roots all on its own uh, after a few weeks, uh, maybe a couple of months. Uh, and at that point, just, just sever the umbilical cord, as I call it, cut, cut off the runner, so you have lots of new plants for planting again. Uh, but just for the winter months, you can do that with the runners if you want, but, but even if you don't, just keep it watered. And uh, this is a question to do with something this listener has noticed over the summer. Uh, they say, Peter, I, when you look at foxgloves, the fairy thimbles, they only have bloomed on the top four to six inches. Is there any explanation for this? I've taken note of this from all over the country. Somebody's paying more attention than I am. So in that case, I haven't noticed, I'll be honest. Uh, the short answer to your question is, is there a reason for this? I don't know of a reason for it. I'm not going to say there isn't, because there probably is, but I'm going to say I don't know of the reason for it. But I'm saying that I haven't noticed it. Um, I I wonder, uh, and this may sound like a, a foolish question now to, to the person who's asking, but I wonder is it just that at towards the, you see, towards the end of the season, the way the foxgloves flower, they flower from the, the kind of bottom of the flower buds open. For the, it, it's like a, a candle of flowers, John Paul. You know the foxgloves. Um, mm-hmm. and the, the, the bottom ones flower first and they go off and the, uh, the, the top ones are open. So I'm just wondering, is it because it's late in the season that you're looking at them? Maybe that's it. Um, but no, if, it, if it's something that you've been noticing throughout the season and it's just the top four to six inches, I don't know a reason for that uh, If unless it's just that the, the bottom part of the flower has died off earlier. OK, maybe that is an answer for that. We'll wait and see if anybody else has noticed that. Uh, Jane is in Donnerell and she has a little red creeper called the necklace plant. So little berries come after the flowers, but she wants to know it's a tiny plant. Has she the right name for this plant? Uh, I was just going to say, to say uh, I don't know the plant by that name, I'm afraid, the necklace plant. So, you see, common names will vary from parish to parish, John Paul, and that's why Latin is used in horticulture. It's not just as a... Uh, a reason for kind of show-offs like myself to, to pretend we know what we're talking about by using the Latin. It, it's because if a plant is called, for example, Cotoneaster horizontalis, which is a mouthful, but it's another red-burying plant. Um, if it's called Cotoneaster horizontalis in Cork, it's also called it in Dublin. It's called it in Shanghai. It's called it in New York. It's the same. Latin is an international language. So if I'm talking about Cotoneaster horizontalis here, I could be talking to anybody in the world and they know what plant I'm talking about. Whereas if we're talking about a necklace plant, I might know something as a necklace plant. Somebody else may know it as something completely different in terms of a common name. So that's why we use Latin. So unfortunately, I'm not being very helpful. I don't know the climbing plant by that name. 
So I I I don't know. I'm sorry. Okay, you know, Jane, we'll have to go. Send me, send me in. Send me in a picture. I was going to say means. if Jane can send in a picture to us on via WhatsApp, and we'll see if we can get that to you, Peter, and maybe we can identify yeah. that one for next Absolutely. week, Jane. If you can do that, oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. And Anne on WhatsApp says, "I have a grapevine, and I want to know: could I take a cutting of this? And if so, how can I do it?" You can do it in two ways. You can do it uh, at this time of the year, actually, with what's called a semi-ripe nodal cutting, um, which is a mouthful of, of a way of saying take a slip, right? So what you do is you take this year's growth, that's the term semi-ripe. You want it about pencil thickness, right? So this year's growth, so it's, not the, it's not the freshest of the growth. It's kind of growth from earlier this season. And the most important thing here, John Paul, is you cut it at a node. Now, what a node is, it's that magical part of the stem where where all the hormones and where the magic happens. Uh, so a node will either turn into a side shoot or leaves or roots, right? Because the auxins are all congregating at the nodes too, and they're the, the hormone responsible for, for the development of roots. So you take your cutting at a node. So the node is the base of the cutting. You have it about four to six inches uh, in length, and you have a leaf or two at the top of the cutting as well. Um you only leave one or two leaves on your cutting. It doesn't matter how many come off of it, but you only leave one or two on. You put the base node into a small bit of rooting powder into compost, and that should root away relatively quickly. Equally, you can do it by hardwood cutting later in the year, where you take the, the same, the base, the base of the cutting has to be a node, uh, and it could be about 12 inches in length, 10 to 12 inches in length, so quite a bit longer. There's no leaves, obviously, because the vine is deciduous. Uh, and you plunge that into soil, you can keep it outside, but it could take six or eight months for it to root that way, but you may have stronger plants quicker as well. So either now by using ripe wood or during the winter by hardwood. Okay, and I know you got a picture of this. This was a sunflower that Bernie sent to you. It's a sunflower she has, and maybe others are in this situation, where it looks like there's two sunflowers growing out of the one flower. It's kind of deformed, isn't it? For want of a better word, and it's a thing. It's not, it's not unique to sunflowers, actually, though it is quite common in sunflowers. It's a thing called fasciation, uh, and it's just a peculiarity more than a disorder. It's probably a disorder more so than a disease, or it's certainly not a disease or any of that. Uh, it's a peculiarity, stroke disorder. Um, it's just you, you'd see it with sunflowers, where the as you in this picture that that you sent, uh, where you can you have, if you like, two flowers trying to grow out of one or you can often see it in things like willow where the the stem goes quite flat instead of rounded that's fasciation as well it's just a disorder it's a peculiarity Uh, no explanation for well perhaps there is if you you knew more about the science than I do but um, it's not something you need to worry about it's just one of these things that happens Okay, um, May is in Douglas. She wants to know she bought strawberry plants this year. Now, they're still flowering, but the fruit is either very small or rotting on the plant. Any advice on why this is happening? That's interesting to, 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 that it's still flowering, but it is also the fruit is also there. So I, I don't know without seeing it for certain, but I'm going to hazard a couple of guesses. Um, if the root is rotting, or if the fruit is rotting, it could be a fungal problem. So, with the, like we'd mentioned the weather at the start of the piece, John Paul, we've gone from extremely hot temperatures, and now we're going to not not low temperatures, but we're going to very very wet weather. It's not ideal weather for 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 gardening in the veg garden because it will lead to the development of these fungal infections. Uh, and what the strawberries can be, the fruit of strawberries can be prone to is just botrytis or, or grey mould. Really, the, the best course of action to deal with something like that is, is 
what we call cultural controls. So in the first instance, any fruit that is rotting, just remove it with a secateur, just, just remove it because that fungus will spread into the rest of the plant. Uh, try and enable good air circulation around the strawberry plant, which is difficult because it's lying on the ground. It would be easier in the previous, in an earlier question where it's in a hanging basket because you've good air circulation around it. But try and improve the air circulation by maybe removing some of the leaves and the foliage on the plant, okay? Um, Remove the infected ones. You could mix some copper sulfate with water, which is a broad-spectrum fungicide, which is certified for use in organic gardening and organic agriculture, but just once a year, not more than that. So mix some copper sulfate and water, drench the plant around the strawberry with it, uh, to hopefully control whatever the fungal infection is. But I would also suggest um, once the, it's in flower now and once the fruits are forming, uh, really drench it with a good quality tomato food, something like the Nature Safe Organic Tomato Food. That's an Irish one made with sustainably harvested seaweed from Galway. It's really, really good, uh, rich plant food. Uh, so I, w- I would drench it with that after treating it. Um, you may may not have huge success yet this year, but hopefully for next year then you should have good healthy strawberry plants. Okay, well hopefully that helps uh, May there in Douglas with that. Peter, we have to leave it there, but thank you. And we'll chat to you again next Wednesday. Peter Doddall, you'll find him online, theirishgardener.com or on Facebook or indeed on Instagram at the Irish Gardener. Hi to Kath, who is texting a beautiful picture of hydrangeas outside the Riverview Shopping Centre in Bandon. They are beautiful, uh, just around the corner from our, our Bandon studios and they are really nice. So thank you uh, for sending that picture on. And that is it from us today. Enjoy your Wednesday afternoon. We're back with you again tomorrow. From 10 a.m., I'm John Paul McNamara. My thanks to Bernie, who produced. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.